secure, that our joy, our sight will be complete on that day when we get to see you face to face. And Lord, we long for that day, and, 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 and the more things go wrong, the more we long for it. And as joyful and as, as, as comforting as that promise is, let us hold to it, never let it go, let it always be the backdrop against which we suffer life. May it never replace the fact that we have victory now. And it's not a victory that feels like victory, God, a lot of the times. It, it doesn't feel like winning. But we are covered in the blood of the Lamb as believers. So therefore, we have true victory right now. We have the promise. We can celebrate that promise of one day today. And because of that, there is nothing, there's nothing that will separate us from your love. Death, disease, persecution, struggles, governments, none of that can come between us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that promise. Lord, as we come to your word today, the place where we go to find our strength, the, 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 the words that you wrote down for us. May we leave this time knowing you better, knowing ourselves better, and knowing what we must do in order to be more Christ-like daily. Lord, I thank you for this time of worship. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I lift up those who are sick, especially with uh, this uh, COVID-19. Pray that you would continue to protect us, Lord. We thank you for your steadying hand on all of us and that you never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're looking at verses 25 through 30. We are coming to the end of a, a major section of Philippians uh, in, in, verse, in chapter 3. Um, Paul begins to transition from uh, his, what's going on with you, what's going on with me, this is what God's doing in our lives section. He, he, it's, it's all theology, but here uh, in chapter 3, he's going to begin with knowing Christ and then end the letter with, um, I hate to say practical guidance, but much more the do this, don't do this type of uh, things. He, he's, he's going to lay out some steps the church and some people in the church need to take. So we're, we're kind of transitioning. We're coming to the end of the section, though, where he was talking about, as we looked at last week, or as we began it last week, with uh, Timothy um, ending with ending what he's been doing with What's going to happen next? Here's what you can look forward to. And we talked about Timothy last week. Today we're talking about Epaphroditus. And uh, Epaphroditus isn't a guy we talk about much. Uh, no, no letters written directly to him that at least made it in, into Scripture. Uh, we, we read him about him here. I think he's mentioned one or two other places. Uh, he was, a, as we're going to see, he was a tremendous asset to the gospel 
at the time, but we just don't talk about him much. Uh, John upstairs in the media booth was talking about that's the first time he's ever typed the name Epaphroditus. Uh, it's just not, you know, not a lot of kids named Epaphroditus running around, so it's not something we do. But we, based on the title of my sermon today, need to be an Epaphroditus. Uh, we need to be what Epaphroditus was. We looked last week at how we need to be a Timothy, and we saw, and I believe very intentionally, Paul wrote uh, to the church in Philippi about Timothy in such a manner that you got an image of one of the ways that we are to uh, have the same attitude as Jesus, adopt the same attitude. Back in chapter 2, verse uh, 5 and following, Jesus emptied himself and humbled himself. And Paul has talked about that quite a bit. He's given an explanation of it. He's talked about other things. Then he's come back to say, now Timothy's going to come see you eventually when he gets a chance, when things work out with me. And here's a guy who exemplifies being emptied. We, we talked about how Jesus emptied himself of every right in chapter 5, I mean, chapter, sorry, verse 5, emptied himself of every right and privilege for the sake of others. He came down out of heaven. He gave up everything he had. Uh, he gave up the intimacy of the uh, Trinitarian relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in order to come to earth. He, he, he just gave it all away, emptied himself of it as much as he could, and us not turn into heretics, right? We talked about that. We have to be careful about what we say because Jesus never ceased to be God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, but in God's divine omnipotence, he was able to, uh, they were able to do this. I'm not going to try to explain the mechanics of you. I just know it worked. That's the picture we get of Jesus. Then, as Paul describes Timothy in verses uh, 19 through 24, we see that Timothy emptied himself. He cared for others. He put their interests first. He, he proved his character in gospel partnership. The word that just keeps coming up, joy and partnership, joy and fellowship, keeps coming up in Philippians. Timothy exemplified that. And as I said last week, for whatever reason, and I think we all know the reason. Paul had two people to describe or, or to exemplify the two characteristics that Jesus was able to do. It took two people. Paul couldn't write and say, Timothy both emptied and humbled himself. Maybe he was a humble guy, who knows. He didn't write and say, Epaphroditus emptied and humbled himself. Maybe he had given up all of his rights and had emptied himself. But Paul, it appears, very intentionally had to present two people showing what Jesus himself could do all by himself. And I think that's kind of an example to us of we struggle. This, today I'm emptied, but I ain't feeling very humble. Tomorrow I got humbled, get humbled, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a battle, it's a struggle. We're sinful, we fall, we fail. What we want to do, we don't want to do, and what we don't want to do, we do, is what Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Rome. So this morning we're looking at Epaphroditus, the, the other side of the coin, the, the humbled portion. And what does Scripture say about Jesus? He humbled himself to the worst death possible that they could imagine at that time to bring salvation to those who hated him. 
bring salvation to those who really didn't think they needed salvation. He actually was bringing salvation to the very ones who were going to hang him on the cross. The very ones that would kill him. And he, and he knew that some of those that killed him would never experience his salvation. And that's true throughout history. The very sin that put him on the cross, or let me, let me say it a different way, those who committed, there are those who commit the sins that put him on the cross that will never repent of those sins and trust him for salvation. Narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way. And very few are those who find it. He hung there for the sins of all humanity. Every sin ever committed put him on that cross. And very few of those who commit those sins will trust him for salvation. He died for those who would never experience his salvation, would never experience the gospel that he brought. To beat this dead horse for a minute or two more, there are plenty of missionaries, there are plenty of mission opportunities where the gospel is taken to a people and the missionary is killed, dies, whatever, and the people he died for never accept Christ. Was that a waste of a life? No. That missionary humbled himself for the gospel. Jesus humbled himself to bring salvation to those who may and the vast majority would never experience that salvation. So if that's how Jesus humbled himself, and we are to have the same attitude, we are to be the same way, that is the sort of humbling we should be willing to go through. And as we see with Epaphroditus this morning, that was the type of humbling he went through. Read Philippians 2, 25 through 30 with me this morning. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God in his mercy, uh, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Now, I think I said this last week, but I'm not sure. Both of these paragraphs are odd for Paul. The church in Philippi who knew, uh, knew who Timothy was, he had very likely ministered there. I don't remember... I can't say specifically he did. I don't remember. Epaphroditus was one of their own. He was a church member. They knew him. Yet both of these paragraphs read just like what would be a commendation letter, an introductory letter. There were many places in, uh, this, at this time that if you didn't have a letter from somebody that person knew, I mean, if you're going to get a job, it's a reference. 
if you're going to get a job, if you were going to stay somewhere, um, and, and even not just here, I, I think of uh, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, um, when George Bailey is experiencing what uh, uh, Potter's, the Bedford Falls would be, what was it, Pottersville, if, if he wouldn't live, what Pottersville would have been like if he hadn't been around. You remember, he goes to his mom's house, his house, and he sees Ma Bailey, and she, uh, she says, at some point in the conversation, if I'm remembering the movie right, I don't take in boarders I don't have a reference for. They had to hear from somebody else. She had a boarding house, but she didn't take in a boarder that she didn't have a reference for. So it's not uncommon today. It was even more important then. I'm sending so-and-so to you. Here is my letter about all the good things he does. The reason this is odd is because Epaphroditus was a church member. Timothy, they knew. Why was it necessary? He's explaining why Timothy, why Epaphroditus is coming. He's telling them, and I'm going to find out later when Timothy goes. Remember, we talked about that. But again, he's using this as an opportunity to tell the church, tell us, here are two guys that exemplify the very thing I just told you to be or, or have, the attitude of Christ, just a few paragraphs ago. And so he has these commendation letters, recommendation letters to the church that wouldn't have been necessary unless he was proving a theological point. So who is this Epaphroditus? If I'm up here today telling you that we need to be an Epaphroditus, what was he? What do we need to be? Well, in the first verse, verse 25, uh, Paul describes him in five different ways, and he just rattles them off. He calls him a brother, co-worker, soldier, messenger, and minister. Just boom, 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 boom. Doesn't bother describing what those mean. Doesn't bother exp uh, uh, explaining them or fleshing them out. But I'm a preacher, so I'm going to. I'm not going to let them just rest there. Brother, the fundamental relationship in a church, siblings, we, we talk about, we are a church family, right? The reason we're a family is because we are brothers and sisters, and some of us couldn't say our elves just right a couple of years ago. So that's why we say we are a family because we are brothers and sisters with Christ. We, we are joint heirs. We are now God's children because we are believers. So Paul says... First and foremost, at its most basic, Epaphroditus is my brother. So, as some scholars say, oh, some of the dissension going on in the Philippian church may have had to do with Epaphroditus somehow. So Paul is saying uh, that he, he's given this letter to tell them, let them know, hey, no, he's a brother, you, it's okay. And that's reading a lot more into this, uh, I think, than, than is there. Um, but clearly, Paul is wanting them to know how much a part of the family Epaphroditus is. He is my brother. He is my co-worker, a laborer in the gospel cause. Now again, we, we, don't, we don't have letters to Epaphroditus. He's, he wasn't uh, one of Paul's regular missionary companions, as far as I remember, and yet, Paul is putting him as a, a co-worker, and, and not an employee, right? Not, not okay, he's a, 
He's lesser. And this is going to be important as we get to the, the end of this passage that we see Epaphroditus as a co-worker equal to Paul, equal in the gospel cause. He's a soldier. Now, Paul rarely uses military metaphors to describe his work. So in this case, it would appear that the, the soldier idea here is that he's sending this wounded comrade-in-arms home for rest, for recovery. He has given not his last full measure, we're going to find out, but close to it for the gospel cause. It's time to welcome this soldier home with the ticker tape parade and all the, as he's going to say later, all the honor he is due. Welcome this wounded man home. And then he uses two words that describe not Epaphroditus' relationship with him necessarily, but how he represents the church in Philippi. He calls him a messenger and a uh, minister. He, he carries the message of the church. In this case, it is very likely a, a, an offering for Paul. It is some assistance. It's a message of, of help and concern and love to Paul from the church. Now, we, we hear that, and, and we might say, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more too as we get down in the passage a little bit more, that's not really a gospel work, is it? Mm, yeah, it is. And we're going to see how much Paul thought this was a gospel work. But he's carrying the message of the church to Paul. He's a representative of the church, and he is commending Epaphroditus for how he represented the church. I'll just ask this now. How would Paul commend you for being a representative of this church? Would it be a commendation? Would it be he is a messenger? We are proud that he is one of the, the members of the Philippian church, or would it say something different? And then the fifth descriptor he uses for, for Epaphroditus is minister. So not only does he carry the message of the church, not only do, does, uh, do the words that Epaphroditus speaks uh, uh, represent what the church says, but the work, Paphra, ooh, the work Paphra, uh, Epaphroditus uh, does is the actual work of the church. So the ministry, the actions that Epaphroditus takes part in, the church says, yes, that's us, and Epaphroditus says, Yes, I'm them, and it is a, a connection that began with the fact that they were brothers and sisters, that they are a family. So they are one unit, one body. As we read Paul's letters, all of them, at various times, we hear bits and pieces and echoes of other letters, and we should hear the one body, many parts right here. He is, he's a minister, he's a messenger, co-worker, brother. The, this is he says, what the church should be. Be an Epaphroditus, church members. So in that one verse, verse 25, he gives us these six descriptors, six epithets for who Epaphroditus is. And then in verse 26, he talks about the deep love that Epaphroditus has for his church. As an Epaphroditus, I should love my church. You should love your church. He says, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. 
Epaphroditus is sitting under the teaching, the example, just being able to soak up time with, maybe they didn't realize it, but I think they did, the greatest missionary the church has ever seen. And he wants to, he misses his church family. He misses his church home. Epaphroditus, even in ministry with Paul, has a heart to be with his home church. That is a wonderful testimony of that home church. Epaphroditus, I'm sure, loved the trip, except where he got sick to almost dying. That part kind of stunk. But the opportunity to go to see, go see Paul again, go see, probably go to Rome. Wow, I don't know how often he went to Rome, but pretty impressive trip. Although Philippi was no slouch of a town either, it wasn't Rome. He got to do all these things. He got to be with Paul and what he then missed the most, what he desired the most was his church family. Oh, that every church member longed to be with their church family. Y'all, I think we experience this a lot March and April to mid-May when we didn't get to meet in here. And even now, I know there are folks watching at home that are longing to be with their church family, so much so uh, that, and, and I understand why they want this, they, they want the cameras to pan into the congregation so they can see their church family. They can't sit by you. They can't sit next to you. They can't talk to you. But even sitting at home watching this service this morning, they get to see, oh, there's so-and-so, and there's my friend, and there's, oh, I love my church family. I mean, I'm not making this up. This was an actual, actual request recently that we make sure that the cameras show who's here for that reason. Because, so if, if you're looking, yeah, y'all are looking at the cameras now. Are they doing it right now? Do I, need to, do I need to quit picking my nose? Do I need to wake up? What do I need to, um, you, you never know. The, the all-seeing John Bridges is the one that's handling that, so you just don't know what he's going to do at any time. That was Epaphroditus' heart for his church. And not just for his church. Not only did he have this, this affection, this... Um, and, and, and we would we might oh this syrupy sweet it, it wasn't that look at the next phrase he, he's been longing for all of you but he was hurt by their hurt for him he was distressed because you heard that he was sick it, it appears that the church in Philippi heard that Epaphroditus had gotten sick heard how badly he was sick probably heard that he is at this door and not going to make it and didn't hear anything else after that. And so the church back home is in a, a dither because what has happened to Epaphroditus? You know, they didn't. It wasn't just a text. It wasn't a simple and got it and it's gone. And you know, we get that. It, information did not travel quickly. And the church was hurting for him. And when he learned that the church was hurting for him, he hurt for the church's hurt. That is family. That is love. That is affection. 
heck, that should be a church we all want to be a part of. But since we can't go back, back 2,000 years and be a part of the church in Philippi, how about we's, uh, we just make our church that church? Maybe, maybe, that would, maybe that would work. I know it would be easier than the whole time travel thing. What else? If I'm going to be like Epaphroditus, what else am I going to be? Well, I'm going to be honored and valued by the church. Now, remember, this passage is about being humbled. Notice, again, who Epaphroditus isn't. No books named after him. No missionary, major missionary journeys that we're aware of. We just have a, a few snippets about him in this paragraph describing him for us. And yet Paul says to them in verses 28 and 29, we're skipping 27 for just a second, second, <laughs> a few minutes, um, 28 to 29, for this reason I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and hold people like him in honor. Valued and honored by the church. Not because he sought it. I don't know how they decided to send him to Paul and not somebody else. Don't know, don't know what the selection process was. It doesn't matter. For whatever reason, he was the one that went. And, and very likely there was a group of them, uh, probably a small group. If they were carrying money, they wanted protection. It just wasn't in his pocket. Um, but regardless of how he got there, there's no uh, evidence here that he got there by his own machinations. He didn't get there because he worked it out. He didn't climb the, 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 the leadership ladder in the church. He didn't strive for the spots of, of importance and the spots of leadership. He was just willing to serve whenever he was asked. And at one point he was asked, hey, can you go, be the one that goes to Rome and talks to Paul? And, and the impression that we would get from this is he would have said something like, me? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I, Paul, right? I'm not going to Paul. Send, who's the pastor of the church? Send him to go. See. No, Epaphroditus, it's you. You're the one we need to go. And his willingness to serve brought joy. I, I'm, I'm eager to send him to you so that you may rejoice again when you see him. Welcome him with great joy, Paul tells them. Here is a fellow brother of your church that you can be proud of for his ministry service to the gospel. Treat him as such, he says. And then he says, honor him. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord, verse 29, with great joy, and hold people like him in honor. What are people like him? Well, it's people who are uh, brothers, co-workers, fellow soldiers, messengers, and ministers uh, to be sure, they are people with a deep love for his church, absolutely, but they are people who are, last point, willing to die for gospel ministry. That was Epaphroditus. That is who he was. That was 
his character. He had humbled himself to say what's important is the gospel ministry, not my life. And if I die in the process, so be it. And if I don't, that's good too. Right? There's a pretty famous verse toward the beginning of the chapter, I mean the beginning of the letter, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul is telling us right here, after, after telling him for me, right, Paul wrote, that's how he wrote it, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right now we get to see for Epaphroditus, he could have said the very same thing. Probably bringing the letter back, may have been the one that read the letter the first Sunday he got back to the church in Philippi. He could say, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And then turn around and said, y'all, for me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's what Epaphroditus was doing. Verses 27 and 30, we see uh, what, how bad off he was. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also for me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow, so that he wouldn't have lost this fellow co-worker in the faith, this brother in the Lord, on top of being in prison and seeing all that had gone on in the previous years. Verse 30, because he came close to death, honor him, right? Hold people like him in honor. Verse 30, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. It looks like it's apparent that he was sick before he ever got to Paul. The trip messed him up. The trip was the problem. And, and, and he, Paul gives us no clue. We don't know what happened. Uh, we don't even know. Uh, it appears that he, there's an illness of some kind. So it doesn't seem like he was attacked by robbers or anything. He got sick on the way there. So sick that he nearly died. Let's go back for just a second to what Epaphroditus is doing. His, his mission, his purpose. He is not going to the mission field of an unreached, unengaged people group that if they find out he's a Christian, he could be killed. Now, they weren't pleased with Christians at the moment, but... It was, it was an uneasy peace, but it was, it was a peace at this time. There was some persecution, but not the, the, the widespread persecution that was going to come in just a few years. Certainly not with Rome. You had some issues with, uh, uh, in, in Israel, but, but not in Rome. So if we are labeling missionaries, we are labeling workers in the field, we would not put Epaphroditus, probably, up there with somebody like Jim Elliott, who I talked about a couple of weeks ago, who gave his life for the gospel before anybody got saved, gave his life for the gospel there uh, among that tribe in Ecuador. Epaphroditus was only, okay, and I'm saying only with emphasis just to prove a point here, he was only ministering to Paul. That was the whole purpose of his trip, as far as we know, to, to take a message from the church, message probably meant money as well, and to minister to Paul, to, to be a, a source of comfort for him. Now, the irony 
of going to be a comfort to Paul and getting sick, almost dying on the way there. Who comforted whom by the time he got there? Paul probably ended up having to help him out as best he could from house arrest. My, my point is, and I'm like, why are you talking about all this, this, this stuff? We know what he's doing. Right, we do. But we want to die for taking the gospel to a, a hostile people group. When in fact, we may die just for being nice to another Christian. Do you see that that is still a gospel death? That is still a worthy death. That is still worthy persecution. We, we are, we're okay. We stand and applaud. We honor those, as Paul says, like Jim Elliott, who die on the mission field as they are sharing, or hopefully just you know, in preparation to share the gospel with people who have never heard it. Epaphroditus was just taking some money and a word of comfort to a missionary who was in a bad spot. And yet Paul says, honor him. Rejoice with him. We see here that he, he pushed through the illness and he saw what he was doing as gospel work. He believed the gospel was more important than his own life, his own comfort. But again, he wasn't... His primary mission was not sharing the gospel with lost people. It was encouraging and building up a missionary, a fellow brother in Christ. Let me say it again and try to, I hope I'm driving the point home, but I want to be sure I am. Dying for the gospel does not mean a, 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 a pagan, polytheistic, animistic, whateveristic member of a far distant tribe kills you as you try to share the gospel. Dying for the gospel means being willing to do something as, quote, mundane as taking an offering to a missionary and getting sick and or dying on the way there. Am I, am I making the point? We want to die for something great. And to be an Epaphroditus, we have to die for whatever it is God has called us to do. Whether we see that as great or not. It doesn't matter the ministry. It doesn't matter the role. It doesn't matter what we are doing. As long as we are doing what God has called us to. And we should be willing to die for that. Whatever it is. However simple it may appear. Look at, at his... Uh, Last phrase here, to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Now, there was nothing lacking, lacking in their ministry to Paul. He doesn't mean to do all the things y'all wouldn't do because y'all stink at what you're doing. That's not what he's saying here. That's not the sort of lack he's talking about. The things that they couldn't do from a distance, Epaphroditus bridged the distance. They 
took up the ministry that the church in Philippi couldn't do from that far away. Epaphroditus took it up. Epaphroditus was a part of this larger church ministry, this larger partnership. Let's assume someday, because it will happen eventually, that the church in our country is persecuted to death. Now, chances are, I'm the, I'm the biggest mouth here, I'm going to be the first one to die if it happens in my lifetime. But y'all, they're going to also come after the guy who locks and unlocks the doors for us. They're also going to come, by, come after the folks who, who take the money to the bank. They're going to come after the folks who pray for the church and call other church members to find out how they're doing, and that's the only ministry they can do because they can't get out of the house, but they do that ministry. They're coming after all of us. And it doesn't matter your perceived importance in the ministry. It doesn't matter your rank in the ministry. It doesn't matter how high up or how low down on the totem pole you think you are in the ministry. If you are doing the work of the church, you're doing the work of the ministry. And Paul says to us today, be an Epaphroditus, willing to die for the simplest parts of the ministry because you are a part of the body i mean we there are all sorts of bodily examples we could use that we that there are small parts that that we don't think about that their importance you know on our our, our body there there are very few wasted parts of our body our eyelashes for example help brush uh, dust and dirt out of the air from our eyes. It helps to redirect sweat, and, and we don't think about that, but they're small, they're, but, but, but that's part of the body. They're simple, but they have a purpose. It, it does not matter your age, and I can, I can kind of do this, right, with age right now, the way we're sitting. Eh, some of y'all are... Um, Mostly, we go back. It doesn't matter your age. It does not matter your physical ability. You are a vital part of the church, of our church. And we need to be willing to die for whatever part it is God has called us to serve in. So, that's Epaphroditus. That's who he is. So, Michael, how am I going to be like him? What should I do, right? First of all, humble yourself to your role. Whatever your role is, humble yourself to it. And I don't mean get off your high horse and, and clean the toilets. I just mean if cleaning the toilets is your role, be willing to die for cleaning the toilets. I know that sounds dumb. I ain't dying for no dirty toilet. I, Go with me here, right? Be willing to serve in whatever ministry role it is to the point of death. And that is easy to say right now when nobody's trying to kill us, right? No problem. I can do that, Michael. That's not it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's decide now because we just do not know what tomorrow holds. Love your church until it hurts. 
That's what Epaphroditus did. He loved his church until it hurt. It hurt him to hear that his church was hurt by news they had heard about him. He loved his church until it hurt. He loved the people. He loved his brothers and sisters. Number three, serve in such a way that you're missed when you are gone. The church wanted him back. They missed him. They missed him being a part of the fellowship. If you are not missed when you are gone, then were you serving? And again, I'm not talking about these, these roles that, that, that get all the headlines and, and get all the spotlight. Trust me, if the person who cleans our toilets stops cleaning our toilets, we suddenly realize how important it was to have a toilet cleaner. It, that's not a, a, a headline job. That's not something everybody fights for. Yet, if it's not being done, it's missed. Let's take it spiritual for a second. If people who can never come to our church again for physical reasons stop praying for our church and for our staff and for our leaders, we'll miss it. We will know. Their ministry will be missed when they are gone. Serve in such a way that you are missed when you are gone. And then finally, be willing to give everything for the gospel just like Epaphroditus was. Everything. And for the gospel means every part of the ministry that makes the gospel, uh, uh, the gospel purpose live in our community. Whatever we do to share the gospel with our community takes far more than just a staff, just a committed 20 or 30 people. It takes every one of us to be a part of what our church does. It takes every one of us being involved, being committed, serving, loving, and humbling ourselves, even to the point of death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have shown us your, your will for us as church members through the life of Epaphroditus. I pray that we would take that, Lord, and we would give our all to every part of the ministry you have called us to. Whatever our purpose and role is in the body, you would use us. And that we would be willing to die for that purpose for that role, as simple as we may think it is, God, there is no useless body part in your church's body. And I thank you that you are knitting together this body, building up this temple with blocks, with you as the foundation, you as the cornerstone, you as the capstone. And we pray that you would continue to build this body. That we would be strengthened, that we would be sure in our foundation, we would be strong in our service to you. And Lord, we would give it our all every day. Lord, as we come to this time of decision, we pray that you would speak to us, show us how we need to work, how we need to serve, where we need to change be just like Epaphroditus was and 
have the attitude of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe the, the thing you need to give this morning for the gospel is your life. You need to give your life to the gospel. Maybe you need to accept the gospel. Maybe you need to say, I, I don't know if I could give Jesus everything because I've not even given him my heart yet. You can do that this morning. All you need to do is understand your sinfulness. Understand that you are a sinner. That you've broken God's law. You have, full, uh, you have messed up His design, His plan for your life. And, and you'll continue to do so. And spoiler alert, even after you get saved, you're going to sin. But until you are forgiven of that sin, you will never experience salvation through Jesus Christ. You'll never understand what it is to pursue Him. You'll never find a fix for the brokenness in your life. If you will repent and believe and trust the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he was crucified for your sins, was uh, dead and buried, and then three days later rose from the grave to prove victory over death and sin. If you will put your faith and trust in that, believe in him and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. He will save you. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. And then you are set to, to one day see him face to face like we sang about earlier. And then you can begin to live a life that is Christ-like. You can begin to adopt that attitude of Christ, have his mind, and begin to empty yourself and humble yourself and be a part of what he's doing in the world. Whether it's small roles like Epaphroditus or big roles like like Paul, you can be what God has called you to be. So this morning, maybe you need to accept Christ, be baptized. We, we can baptize even in our age of social distancing. We can work that out uh, if you need to follow in obedience there and be baptized. You need to recommit to him, lead a life of holiness, join our church. You can comment there if you uh, have the Faith Life app. You can comment there on the uh, connection card portion of that. If you're online, you can... Uh, message us there, and we would love to hear how God is working on your heart. Let us know, regardless of what, a de what decision you make this morning, let us know how God is working on your heart. T trust me, there are a few things I like to hear more than, man, God really got me on this, whatever it was. And I'll say, praise the Lord, I'm glad he did. That, that wasn't me, that was him. So let us know. We're going to take a time where we worship where we reflect through song on what we've heard today what god has said to us and if you'd like to grab one of us to pray with you after the service we'd love to do that tom amy me uh, some other leader in our church we'd love to do that for you so let's let's worship him this morning as we allow him to continue to work on our hearts